Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your co-hosts are Clint Walkner and Nate Condon, the co-owners and financial advisors at Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This is a podcast series dedicated to illuminate some of the darkness around fees, conflicts of interest, and the motivation behind recommendations in the financial planning industry. Here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to Give Me Some Truth. Today, we're going to be tackling the topic of mutual funds and more specifically mutual fund fees and how they work. Uh, granted, it's not the most exciting topic in the world, but Clint and I are going to try to make it as informative and as exciting as we can uh, while also telling you what you need to know uh, from the consumer side. So, the title ABCs of mutual funds and sometimes I and R. It uh, just helps to illustrate the alphabet soup in which uh, our industry works. Uh, but between myself and Clint and Kevin here in the room, uh, we're going to get it to the point where you have a good understanding of what you own and whether or not it's best for you. Clint, what is the idea behind A, B, and C? A, B, and C stands for the uh, share class in your mutual funds. And the best way to check this out is to really grab a statement and take a look at what you actually have personally. And the things to look for there is, you know, look on the first couple pages of your mutual fund statement or your brokerage statement and take a look at what your fund names are. And generally speaking, what you'll see there is that the first name or first two names would be the fund company names. So if you had the American Funds Euro Pacific A share class fund, the things to look at first are what's the name of the company. Secondarily, you want to see what's the name of the fund and what's the purpose of the fund. And so in this example, a Euro Pacific fund is one that's likely buying European and Asian stocks all in one big basket. And then uh, the third thing is very important, and the thing that's the topic of the podcast today, and that is, is it an, what type of share class is it? And so in my example, it was an A share class. And so we'll get a little further into what that means and how investment advisors are incented uh, to do certain things. Yeah, it really comes down to whether or not your relationship with your advisor is on what's called an advisory relationship, uh, where you're being charged uh, some form of flat management fee on a year-over-year basis, or are you paying on more of a transactional basis uh, where you would be paying commissions or what are called loads? Um, and, and kind of understanding that difference and where you fall is really important to um, how your advisor is buying investments either on your behalf or how you're directing your advisor to buy investments. So. Um, we talk a lot about standards and fiduciary standard versus suitability standard. Um, Kevin has heard this at nauseum, but uh, we, we think it's important. Kevin, what is, uh, in layman's terms, the fiduciary standard? Well, as the layman of the group, I believe I'd be the best qualified to explain it like that. Um, if I remember correctly, last time we had a nice little shoe sale analogy going on, um, whereas the, stan the um, suitability standard is more of just like they can give you whatever works, whereas with the fiduciary standard, um, they're obligated to put the, the best interest of the consumer um, first. So it's really better for the consumer on the fiduciary side. So, Clint, how does this apply to the conversation today? 
Well, today, if we talk a little bit more uh, between fiduciary standard and suitability standard, we'll start first at the suitability standard of care, and we'll talk about the A's, B's, and C's that you mostly encounter in that type of situation. So what commonly happens with a suitability standard is that you're going to see commissions get paid, and sometimes it's more upfront, and sometimes it's a little bit more buried. And so they now kind of unearth uh, for our clients and, our, uh, and the listeners as far as what the chair classes are and how the investment advisor does get compensated. So Nate, as far as the first one, A shares, how do A shares generally work? All right. So let's take a simple example here and we'll use this kind of as we go about to to explain how the different share classes work. So let's say that somebody invests $10,000 into an A share mutual fund. Uh, Typically an A share mutual fund is going to have an upfront sales charge or load, as we like to call in the industry, uh, of call it 5% in my example. So if you invest $10,000 in an investment and the check gets sent to the mutual fund company, $10,000 will not go into your investment. $9,500 will go into your investment. The additional $500, the commission or load, will get paid partially partially to the advisor, partially to the company the advisor works with, and potentially some other companies split that as well. So the bulk of that advisor's compensation in that transaction came upfront or at the time of sale. Uh, they also receive an ongoing uh, commission or, or uh, revenue stream, uh, which is called the 12B1 fee. We make nothing simple in this industry. 12B1 fee simply means that the advisor is getting a small amount of their compensation on an ongoing basis. So let's say that the client comes in the next year and wants to invest another $10,000. Clint, what happens in that scenario? Well, they pay the upfront sales charge again, and then... You know, now they have $20,000 or approximately $20,000 of investable assets, less the sales charges. Hopefully they got a little growth on that. And then they'll pay uh, some money in the form of the 12B1 fee. And the investor pays the 12B1, but it never really shows up on a statement. There's been some uh, talk a little bit about how that gets disclosed and whether it should be disclosed on uh, on a greater level. And so far that has not occurred You can find it by looking at the expense ratio of the mutual fund. So every mutual fund has an expense ratio. It can be anywhere from, you know, 0.02% or what we call two basis points all the way up to probably three or 400 basis points or three or 4% of the overall fund. And so what's important about this is that knowing that your investment advisor does get paid this compensation and in an A share, it's generally 25 basis points or 0.25%. So this can lead to some, uh, I guess we'll call them kind of questionable situations. So there's an inherent conflict of interest with a structure like that because the advisor is benefiting when money goes into an investment, um, but is not benefiting nearly as much the next year, the next two years, the next three years of that same investment if no additional dollars go in. And so the conflict there is the advisor has a, a large incentive to uh, provide as good of possible service at the time of transaction, but that motivation to continue ongoing service to the client after that is is minimized greatly. And so that's one issue that Clint and I see within the industry. And frankly, the government is starting to kind of go that way as well with some of the, the more recent uh, rulings that have come down, um, trying to make it A, more transparent for people, and B, uh, trying to make it so that the industry is taking note of this inherent conflict that uh, that exists. And if you just think about how the advisor is being paid in that situation, you may exchange mutual funds. That means that if I was in the 
uh, Euro Pacific fund, I can change that fund to their large company U.S. stock fund whenever I want inside of the same mutual fund company without any penalties. But is the investment advisor going to do that or are they going to go select a different mutual fund company and go from, say, American Funds to Franklin Templeton on their next sale so that they can make some numbers? So there's some inherent bias there that the advisor has on that I would be, as an investor, quite concerned about if I was being asked to move my funds around. Yeah, and that's just one of the issues that we see for advisors that operate on that side of the business. Uh, the side of the business that Clint and I operate on, uh, the independent side, where we're on a flat management fee structure, um, we're using a different structure within the same mutual fund industry uh, to make it so that's more advantageous for clients. And, and one part that gets really kind of um, becomes confusing within the whole argument is, so if, you, if we look at the fund that Clint uh, illustrated before, the American Fund Zero Pacific Fund, that fund has five, six, seven different iterations from a fee structure standpoint, but it's the same fund that you're buying. In other words, same investment, same structure that you're buying, whether you buy it under, under the A share, B share, C share class. So it would be the same thing as if you decided to go to a car lot. Kevin recently bought his first vehicle. Um, well, first, congratulations on that, Kevin. Oh, thank you very much. So if you went to a car dealership and you decided to buy a car and you said, what are the options to buy this car? And, this, and the salesperson said, well, you can buy it or you can lease it. Okay, it's the same, kind of a similar deal. You're, you're driving away with the same car. You just chosen a different way to finance it. Or, for example, you decided to pay cash or you decided to finance the vehicle. Again, you've just chosen a different way to negotiate the ability for you to drive the car off the lot. Um, but the details of those different financing uh, packages is, is you know, much different from one to the other. And that's the same thing that happens in the mutual fund in industry. The only problem is it doesn't get explained nearly as well in the mutual fund industry. And much like your car example, if you were able to select different models of cars, um, they all have different advantages and disadvantages and different packages. But in the mutual funds, you're getting the same management team, regardless of whether you have A shares or F1 shares or I shares or C shares. So it's important to note that and you want your investment advisor trying to select the least expensive share classes for you. And unfortunately, does, that doesn't happen in every case. Um, in a lot of cases, the share class that gets chosen is the one that, that benefits the advisor um, more than, than the investor themselves. And so um, B shares, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about B shares. Clint, how do B shares work? So B shares are not as common anymore in the industry because um, FINRA, the Oversight Regulatory Organization, had a big spotlight on this about, that was about 10, 12 years ago where they were taking a look at broker incentives, and B shares have no upfront sales charge. So the investor thinks, well, that's a pretty good deal, right? I don't have to pay any upfront commission on that. Well, then they lock you up for a period of years, and if you decide to redeem the shares, usually before hmm, five to seven years, you pay a penalty. And where that's important is that if you pay that penalty, obviously you're gonna get that knocked off you know, your shares when you try to get out. And also the expense ratio is about 0.75% higher than on the A share, A share side. So you're going to pay more for B shares than you are for A, but you don't see an upfront commission getting paid there. And so that's one way that we can do this in the industry where we can hide um, fees and commissions by just going into a different share class and burying them. And oftentimes it isn't disclosed properly. All right, let, let's go ahead and roll forward into C shares. Clint, the the uh, um, kind of give me some truth version of C shares is what? So C shares are 
the version of share classes where you actually don't pay anything up front and as long as you hold them usually over 12 months you don't see any sort of redemption fees so they're about one percent more expensive you know about about 0.75 to one percent more expensive across the board than our a and b shares and so what happens is they're missold all the time and they really should only be used for short-term purchases when we talk about the commission side because a shares are generally the least expensive share class with commission-based advisors when held anywhere longer than about you know five to seven years so we need to be really careful if we see c shares on a statement it generally means that advisors say oh you don't have any any fees at all in these mutual funds and then they just move on when in fact they are the most expensive share class out of the three to hold long term and it's our assumption that a lot of the people listening today probably haven't, haven't even had this level of conversation about share classes with their advisor. Um, this conversation that we're having today should be the minimum uh, kind of length and duration of, of conversation that you have with an advisor before going into an A, B, or C uh, share purchase. And then, and then furthermore, uh, as Clint alluded to earlier, if you're ever going to change mutual fund companies, if your advisor is directing you to change up investments, uh, we really, really have to be careful with why that advice is being given to us because there's a decent chance that the advisor is getting commissioned again. Um, I guess in this podcast, I'll use commission as a verb, being commissioned again. Um, and and it's, it's more so understanding of is it, is it in the right best in the right interest for you and the best interest for you as opposed to uh, possibly the best interest of the advisor. Yeah, commission-based isn't always bad, but what I can tell you is that it has a significantly higher barrier in conflicts of interest, as does, uh, then does uh, the advisory side where you're not paying any commissions. Because, for example, if we make trades in our portfolios, the clients really don't have to worry about, you know, are we going to receive extra revenue from this? Because we don't. We receive 100% of our fees, our revenue in our um, investment advisory firm. So we don't receive any commissions or anything or any ticket charges on those. So um, when we tackle the advisory side of things, uh, generally you'll see A shares um, in those, and those are load waived. So no upfront sales charges charged on those because if you're an advisory advisor, we have special agreements with the uh, custodians or mutual fund companies to waive those. So you know, there's, we remove some of that conflict of interest on there and oftentimes don't have any transaction fees on those funds as well. Now, we also have the ability to buy into iShares, which would be institutional share classes, which have special pricing arrangements. They have uh, low or no 12B1 fees, and uh, they're just going to be a higher minimum type of investment. So Nate and I have to be a little careful about that because sometimes we can purchase into some funds in the institutional level with any sort of investment and sometimes you have to have a much higher minimum to enter those share classes and that's really determined by the mutual fund company yeah and again the 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 piece that we want people to to really understand in all of this is a what structure are they on right now and b is this the right one for them uh the government through their guidance and ruling as well as the just the flow of advisors within the industry um, is indicating that um, the, the push is to get more advisors and more clients over to the advisory side of the business, which frankly, Clinton, I feel is the correct side of the business. Um, in the end, it's up to each individual investor to choose what's right for them. Uh, but we feel like the investors have much more protection 
both by standard of care and by uh, the advisors themselves on the advisory side of the business. Uh, where again, if you look at your statement there and you're seeing iShares being used, you're seeing uh, the iShare class, I should say, and you're seeing the R-Share class being used, um, it's a pretty good indication that you're on an advisory platform. But we are better off just asking our advisor. So having this conversation with your advisors is hugely important. Uh, if you haven't, it's well within your best interest to know how your money is being managed and how you're paying fees. Yeah, not every account is should be treated the same. I mean, if you've got a investment account with $5,000 versus an investment account with you know 500000 or $5 million, the share classes available to you will be potentially vastly different. So you want to make sure that your investment advisor is working with you to limit those costs. Again, the advisory side, we don't receive any of those. So we really need to keep your expenses as low as possible and utilizing the best share class options for your own personal situation. We'd be happy to go through any statements that you might have uh, or that friends or family of yours might have uh, and, and give you a better understanding of what you own. Even if we were not the advisor on the account, even if we're not the ones that you're currently working with, um, we will absolutely go through statements, uh, explain what you own, why you own it, uh, and at a minimum give you a better understanding of how it all works. So thanks for joining us this time on Give Me Some Truth, and we look forward to delving into some future topics along the lines of mutual funds and ETFs, expenses, and uh, peel back the onion and how other investment advisors get paid. Thanks again. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.